This episode is part of a mini-series that I am calling the Questioning Series, and it comes from a post that I put out there on November 18th. I've been pondering an idea to open up some episodes of the Where Do DC God podcast for dialogue with folks that may be concerned or confused by Christianity, who may have been wounded by it, or who simply don't know what to think about God right now. It's been really incredible to see what God has been doing so far through this post that I felt a nudge to put out there. Last episode, we got to meet Joey and hear his story of authentically seeking God then hitting a point where none of it seemed to be connecting, none of it seemed real, and now being in a place where he identifies as atheist and he's still engaging with these thoughts and these ideas. Today we're going to meet Aaron. And Aaron was another friend of my friend Josh who saw Josh's post and quickly responded back. And I really appreciate Aaron reaching out. He has a much longer story that you can hear in his podcast, Through the Mirror, where he shares how he has been deeply wounded by the church. And that is an experience that he's not alone in. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance that in some way you might have been wounded by the church. Some of you listening might have been wounded in such a deep way that you want nothing to do with the church. So I'm deeply grateful for Aaron's vulnerability, transparency, and willingness just to share his own journey with us because That is one of the greatest ways that God allows us to not just love him and love others, but also to create unity. You're listening to episode 52 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I just thank you for this opportunity to sit with Aaron and just for the ways that uh, you brought this conversation together that we've never met. Um, We really don't know each other. And so in light of that, uh, yeah, I just want to invite you into this conversation, invite your words, invite you to guide where we take things. Um, Because, yeah, I just really believe that you're able to do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, even through Zoom conversations. So we give this time to you and we thank you for it. That's very much holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today I'm sitting with Aaron and I don't know Aaron and Aaron doesn't know me, but we have a mutual friend in Josh. And I actually got to learn a little bit about Aaron because he does a podcast through called Through the Mirror. He's been doing it for a few months and there was an episode. They had the hosts each have an episode to go through. So you were the third episode, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to hear a lot of Aaron's story. So I would encourage anybody listening to this to also go and listen to that because that will help to build out probably a lot of what we end up talking about here. But my first question to Aaron is we connected because Josh shared a Facebook post I put out. My question for you is what is it about that that caught your attention that that drew you to this that made you think, man, I want to be in, in a conversation? Well, in, in the post you were talking about who may have been wounded by Christianity or, and also uh, just simply don't know what to think about God right now. And that really struck me because I have, for the last, I want to say uh, a year to eight months, I've been in this process of uh, deconstructing what I've been um, taught as a kid and on through my teenage years and my um, early 20s. 
and the experiences that I've had with that, as I've been thinking back on and on it and reflecting on it, I have come to the understanding that a lot of how the how I view myself was wrapped up in some really um, horrible teachings, mm. and it really took an effect on me as far as um, how. I even developed as a person and how I reacted to the people that, that were around me and, and the people that believed differently than I do. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of uh, opinions about the church, corporate church, and, and I haven't really had the opportunity to actually out loud talk to, to someone about this as far as, you know, other than family members or mm-hmm on my podcast, especially with somebody like yourself who, correct me if I'm wrong, you are a pastor. Uh, I have a friend that calls me a pastor. I do not pastor a church, so it really depends on how you define the word pastor. Right. But you are, are pastoring things that I You're do. very pastoral. So pastoral, I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, it comes across and, and I listened to, <laughs> I listened to a couple of your episodes and um, honestly, that's really one why I wanted to do this conversation with you mm-hmm. because you're very authentic and that really shines through in, in, in your podcast and, and how, how you word things and, mm-hmm. and um, words are very important to me because I've had a lot of pastors or spiritual leaders say, well, you know, I don't have the right answer and then talk like they do have the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, you say this, but you're really saying this through your actual words. And your podcast, well, I appreciate the encouraging words too. So I don't want to move on before saying just, yeah, thank you for listening. But also I thank you for for that encouragement. And and your podcast really intrigued me because it's not just you, but you have, there's three of you Mm -hmm. and you're each coming from very different spaces. And I can't remember the third person, but I remember one of the guys identifies as an atheist. Mm-hmm. and you are identifying a place of like you grew up in the church but you're also like processing a lot like you said you're kind of deconstructing and, and coming to terms with what you were told and what you were taught and what that means and what you believe I can't remember the third person uh, Miranda she is a pagan okay that's right yeah which tell me tell me real quick about that because I feel like that creates a really unique and interesting space and it comes through in the episode how y'all are able to talk about these different topics in a very just real and authentic way. Uh, Well, me and Zach grew up together. And so we've had a lot of the same experiences. Um, Me and Miranda became really good friends when I lived out in California and have just kept in touch uh, via Facebook throughout the years. And I've seen her develop from, uh, I knew her when she was a Christian Mm -hmm. coming out of that. And so I she she's a really great person to talk to she doesn't hold any grudges against christianity it's just something that didn't work for her um and and zach um he he grew up with me like i said and go you know go into the same church uh for a number of years he left christianity um because he was a part of a cult and that really messed with him they're very honest people they don't pull any punches they 
but they're also they look at the world through a very unique paradigm that I really wanted to have on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind it was to hold space for people that have different opinions. And we I feel like we have like that really good dynamic to where we can hold that space and not really argue, but but have a conversation about, um, you know, various things that we may or may not agree on. Yeah. And it's, it was, I mean, incredibly captivating to listen to. And I only got to listen to your episode, but the, the way that the back and forth was able to happen and the, and just the questions that, you know, Zach Miranda asked, and I just, I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, thank you for sending. I appreciate that. that. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And so, you know, you've, for the past year or so, you've been in a place where you're really, you're just taking a step back and saying, putting everything on the table and figuring out, okay, what is this and what do I do with it? And you shared mm -hmm. that you have a few close friends and family that you've been able to process with. You have this podcast, but they're very unique and specific voices and and how the processing can happen. Mm -hmm. And then we find ourselves here. And so I guess my my one question that comes to my mind very broadly is, what are some of the things that you've been wanting to like process and put on the table that this space opens that you haven't been able to in other spaces? One of the main things um, that has affected me over the course of, you know, my adult life was the whole, um, was the purity culture aspect mm -hmm. of church and, and religion. And I actually re recently had a conversation with my parents. They knew that I had tried to commit suicide, but they didn't really understand why. Mm -hmm. And I basically just told them about how, you know, it was really ingrained into me that sex is bad. And mm -hmm. if you do anything or if you even think about sex, you are a bad person. And they were just like, we had no idea that this was what you were going through. Yeah. They basically left it up to the church to teach us that. And they, they're not at fault here. I mean, you know, loads of parents do this to their kids. They drop them off in Sunday school or youth group and, you know, they do their thing and mom and dad get a night, you know, to themselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're not at fault. I, I mean, I hold the church at fault for that, mm -hmm. for sure. You know, there was, it was a very um, toxic teaching to, to tell kids like that are going through puberty, these kids that this part of themselves that is a very real part and a very um, confusing part at that time is bad and it's disgusting and you should never even think about that. That really, it, it screwed over an entire generation hmm. of, of kids you know, now coming up in, in, you know, between 25 and 35, like all, there's all this sexual repression and all this, um, going into marriage now and having kids mm -hmm. it's it's very confusing to go from sex is bad to flipping a switch and now okay sex is is fine mm -hmm. so i mean i've i've talked to multiple uh, friends that have you know been through that that you know some of them it didn't affect a whole lot but some of them like me did affect very very much so yeah was uh Joshua Harris and his books a big part of like that that process for you. I I, I think I got about through two chapters of Joshua Harris 
Harris's book, I, Ki- I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to throw out this whole book because that does not make sense <laughs> at all. And it was interesting because his book hits at a very niche piece of this conversation that really gets into you don't date, you court. And, and courting mm-hmm. yeah. is different than dating because dating's like, you know, it's just whoever and you can back and forth. But courting is, is a lot of intentionality and you bring the family into it. And, and it was, it's interesting, his story even, I believe he probably was, he was coming from a genuine place. Right. This is what, kind of like you said, this is, he had been taught, this is how the world works. This is how you engage this, that, and the other. And somehow he got himself into a place where he had a window to create a book and it exploded because it was in the time of, like you said, in this period of time that this was a huge emphasis within the church. But uh, I think it was a couple years ago, he came out and publicly apologized because he mm-hmm. was hearing stories like what you experienced and what you shared others experience and it wrecked him yeah and he was like i did this to people <laughs> and and it's such an intriguing thing because it's based on his response and without knowing him personally it seems to me that on this end of it he realizes the damage that he caused but on this end of it at the beginning he never went into it saying, man, I want to ruin generations of people. Right. Yeah. And it creates this hard thing because it's like, so what do we even do with that? Because it doesn't change the fact that people have been wounded and hurt. Mm-hmm. And so for you, it sounds like a big piece of the way that this wounding is playing out is now it's impacted your understanding of how trustworthy the church is and right. to what extent you should put yourself at the hands of the church. Yeah. And I don't think that the church, the corporate church, you know, the, the broad teachings of the church are trustworthy at all. Mm. I think that everything needs to be called into question. Every, every sermon, every um, tidbit of information should be put to the test. It should be challenged. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you create this environment to where there is, no room for questioning or for challenging you're really walking the line of a cult mm-hmm. and a lot of um people that have wounded me throughout the years um you know had good intentions yeah you know they they were doing the best with what they had but and i and i do recognize that and don't hold that against them mm-hmm. but in the same sense you know as an adult i have to be able to have that space to where I can question and um, come to a realization that even though they had the best of intentions that I am wounded and I cannot, I can't just say, well, uh, you know, that's fine. That's okay. Because I mean, these are deep mental and emotional wounds that are like that. I mean, I, I can't really put it into words that, you know, you pull on one thread and the whole thing comes undone and, and you're like, well, I think this way because that was what was taught to me as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I have this thing that's kind of like, it doesn't really make sense because all these other people, that's fine for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't have a problem with it, but I do. Why do I have, why am I so broken up about this one thing that, mm-hmm everybody else seems to be okay with (laughs) it. What's so hard about these kind of wounds too, is that 
they hit in a different way because they come from people like yeah. that. The wounding should never come from the church. Right. And I think realistically, you know, we know we're all broken people and there's still brokenness. And, but I think that's why it hits particularly hard. I, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but I've shared it with other people. I remember there was a moment where I was thinking back around some of the deepest wounds that I have, um, some of the things that I'm still working through today. And I remember it hit me, every single one of those wounds came from someone who identified as a Christian. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, let me think of wounds that I have that were from non-Christians. And I couldn't think of anything. I could not think of a single person who identified not as a Christian who had wounded me in a significant way. But I could think of very specific Christians, sometimes Christian leaders, who wounded me to such a deep level. And it and it hit so hard because that was supposed to be a safe space. That was supposed to be yeah. a family, a spiritual family, a community, like the church, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. And and it and the wounds hit in a deeper way. And I think they're harder to heal from because they're hard to address and engage going back to something you said earlier, we have Christians have this unfortunate tendency to want to project a better image than what actually exists or to project right. more confidence than what actually exists or to you know project more control than they actually have. And the reality is, is that we've all sinned and fallen short. The reality is, is there's a lot we don't understand. The reality is, is we're not meant to control, but we project this other image and it leads to some deep, deep wounds that it's hard to even know where to start in healing them. Right. And, and those spiritual leaders, like there's just such a, a expectation of trust that, you know, these people have your best interest at mind and at heart, you know, and a lot, I wouldn't say this is pretty anecdotal, but in my mind, a lot of those people were not malicious in those mm-hmm. acts, but it still does not negate the fact that they did wound. Mm -hmm. So for me, myself, I have to understand both sides of that, that, you know, they didn't mean to inflict the wound on me, but it's still there. Yeah. The point you made about people not having malicious intent, but it still hits hard. It makes me think of specific instances that I'm still healing from. And I find myself sometimes wrestling with that balance of on one hand, the call to forgiveness and, you know, the way that Jesus demonstrated it, where he's like, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it's this understanding of, yes, they're doing awful things, but they have no idea. Like they don't, they don't realize how they're being led by something else. They don't realize the extent to what they're doing it. Uh, You know, we think about the Pharisees. There are Pharisees there that day who really believed that they were honoring God as they right. killed the son of God. And right. so Jesus had the awareness to be able to say, you know, I, I'm going to forgive them because they don't actually understand what they're doing. They don't realize the harm they're causing. So balancing that in one hand while also knowing, and yet I'm still having traumatic responses <laughs> to right. this, that or the other. If somebody talks to me in this specific tone, or if this certain thing happens, or if this word is mentioned, I have a traumatic response. And it's particularly hard when I've done a lot of work around forgiveness and a lot of work around healing. And yet these scars and these lingering pains and, and singing still remain. 
And that's a hard thing to navigate because the church tends to veer more onto the like forgive and forget. And, and particularly the church likes to hold to this idea of making everything okay. And if you are sad <laughs> or if you're angry or if you're hurt, then you must not be seeking God hard enough. Yeah. Or you might not be right about it. Or maybe you need to, when in reality, I think there's, I mean, Jesus wept. <laughs> Jesus felt deep sorrow. Jesus felt anger. Jesus felt a lot of these same emotions. But I think the trick is part of our individual journeys is coming to really understand deeper and deeper what it is that's going on. Like, what are some of the, the, the roots of what mm -hmm. is leading to here? And how can we navigate that individually so that when we are in those moments, we are able to be more confident and saying, okay, what I'm feeling, I don't need to dismiss because it actually is, is justified. Now I'm not going to respond in the way that I might want to, right. but I'm, you know, and you can, or there may be times where you're like, actually what I'm feeling is justified. And I am going to say something to that person because I feel like I've worked through this in a mature way. And this is a, a proper response, but it's so hard. Cause that's like, it's not a cookie cutter. All right. When you get wounded, this is what you do. Right. Step one is seeking therapy. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things that, uh, that you said that, that, um, that stuck out to me was the whole, um, you know, projecting the okayness, projecting mm -hmm. like I am fine and everything's great. I, I live and have been raised in rural South Georgia mm -hmm. where you don't talk about what's really going on. Like if you're going through a divorce, Everybody knows you're going through a divorce, but you don't talk about the pain of going through that divorce. You had, you lost a baby or your child gets uh, pregnant or, you know, what have you. It's always this like, we'll sweep it under the rug and, and there's no genuine authenticity in the church, at least from my experience. So if there's no authenticity, then what are we even doing church for? Mm -hmm. Why are we even here? What is the point of all of this? Why are we putting on our Sunday best and going and listening to a, a, a man who has a microphone clipped onto his shirt talking about uh, love and forgiveness and peace and justice and stuff like that? All the while, our lives are being ruined and are falling apart, and we can't even talk to the person that we go out to lunch with mm -hmm. after Sunday, Sunday morning service. Like it just, yeah. it did not make sense to me. And it was still doesn't make sense to me that if we can't be authentic with each other, then there's just no real point of going to church. Yeah. But, you know, I can read my Bible at home. Mm -hmm. I can pray at home. I can, you know, listen to sermons at home. That's not the point of why we gathered at this building, you know, outside of COVID, but you know, that's why we gather, you know, that's why to me, that's the whole point of church yeah. is, is to have the authenticity to break down those walls, you know, in a healthy way to where you can connect and, and have bonds and truly practice love with each other. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about is what Jesus was trying to communicate when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God. And the second is just like it, love others. And, you know, every Christian can quote that. Yeah. But it's really hard for Christians to live that because we don't actually understand what love is. 
-hmm. And love necessitates connection. Love necessitates authenticity. Love necessitates all these different pieces, opening up our lives, being vulnerable, being transparent. Love captures all of that. And when Jesus put that out there is saying like, okay, if you want to boil down everything, if you want to capture what, how it is one should live and how it is that one can access eternity, like this is it. You center your life around being fully devoted, committed, connected to God and fully devoted, connected to others, to the body. Mm -hmm. And Unfortunately, especially in American culture and American Christianity, independence is such a big thing. You, it's self-preservation. You look out for number one, you do your thing and like, yeah, you still connect with people, but at the end of the day, it's about you and what you need and what you want. But, you know, then there's that passage about the body and how if the body was just hands, it couldn't do anything. If, you know, the Mm -hmm. hand said, I don't need the eyes. I think it's less that Jesus was saying everybody has to get along and do it. It's, it's that he was saying, look, if you actually want to be able to experience full life, if you want to be able to be experience the fullness of what existence is and what reality is and who you were meant to be, that happens when you also have these other pieces. You could still choose to go your own way and do your own thing, but it's going to be a less full life. And unfortunately, the way that we block those things off is by projecting false things, by not talking about real things, by creating this kind of uh, a false reality that we all just kind of play the role in. Mm-hmm. And we're missing out on the fullness of life. And it's scary. I mean, it's scary, you know, like in the example you gave about the divorce, it's a scary thing to say, okay, should I open up with someone about the deep things that I'm feeling? or the deep anger that I'm feeling, or the deep fear that I'm feeling, will I be judged? You know, yeah. will they will they blame me? Like you put yourself at risk, but if you don't do that, then what you're doing is you're walling yourself off. Yeah, that's why I say open up in a healthy way. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to pick and choose who you open up to. You, you don't just go up to the front hey, of the- everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I have a porn addiction. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, which I did that once, so yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's like it didn't work out the way you had hoped. Nope. <laughs> but I mean, I think this is the the thing is like when you do it in a healthy way, and with people that are willing to be at the table and reciprocate, not just like receive your grievances and be like, "Hey, thanks for sharing," but I'm not going to tell you my things. Like when there is this healthy understanding, you find out that you've actually been believing a lot of lies about how the world works and what's going on around you. And what I mean by it is, is this, uh, I'll give a specific example. You know, you talked about purity culture and some of the ramifications of, uh, of that and other things that leads to talking about sex within marriage being stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And because of that, married couples just won't talk about it and we'll kind of play out things are good. And then when a married couple struggles in that area, they don't really know what to do with it because they look around and well, those couples seem fine. Like they seem to be having a happy marriage. Like they're holding hands and like, we don't even want to touch each other. So like, and the more that there is that disconnect, the more you can come to believe that there's something really wrong with us, but everyone else is good. But I've loved the moments where I've been able to sit down, you know, with another married couple or with a group of guys 
And there's this level of authenticity to the point where I'm like, oh, they're going through that too. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And it not only breaks that lie that, nope, you're on your own and you're alone and you're, you're messed up to like realizing, no, actually a lot of people are working through some hard things, but two, now, not just is it that you don't feel alone, but you feel connected. Right. Now you're sharing in this experience. And some of the most amazing healing moments for me have been uh, sharing in th these experiences with uh, a few of uh, close guy friends of mine. And, and sometimes it's not that they gave me answers or anything got fixed. It's just the reality of like, we have this deeper connection now because we are sharing in these sufferings, if you will. Right. And, and to me, so here's the, the division in my mind. Mm -hmm. So you get those connections by one-on-ones or, you know, small, small groups of people and, you know, going out to coffee and stuff like that. The whole idea of Sunday morning or Sunday evening mm -hmm. service, all that does is get you to maybe have a slight conversation with somebody but those deep conversations that create those healing spaces you don't get that at church mm -hmm. to me at least mm -hmm. in my mind you don't get that at church you get that with going out to coffee or going and having a, a beer or two with some guy friends or like having a conversation like at a game night or something mm -hmm. you know that's that's where the connection really happens mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm at this point to where I'm trying not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. So it's <laughs> like, especially where I live, just church is just so just infuriating mm -hmm. to where I'm like, I just, I can hardly even stand being in the dang building mm -hmm. because it's like all these people are being stupidly fake. Mm and no one's being real with each other like i've just tested out a couple of times somebody says hey man how's it going i'm actually not doing very well <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm going through a rough time oh that sucks <laughs> yeah 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 long pause <laughs> yeah. yeah well i think you hit it something really important and that's uh how do we define church and if we're honest you survey a hundred people and you know, what is, what is church? Most people would define it as either a physical building or that time on Sunday where you go and like sing some songs and hear a pastor speak. But if you did the same survey, went back in time and surveyed, you know, the folks in acts and said, mm -hmm. what is the church? They'd say, well, it's a spiritual family. And here are some of the expressions of that. Sometimes we have a larger gathering where we're all, together and sometimes we're meeting just in homes and sometimes you know we're one-on-one -on -one, but we are the church like we're the church and it's and one thing I loved is uh one of our pastors talked about it in terms of breaking out of this idea that church is two hours out of the week and instead understanding that church is all of the hours <laughs> in the week you know, and that those two hours are just one expression. It is the larger gathering expression. In fact, that's the church that we attend. They've been trying to cultivate that language. They call, they do not call a Sunday church. They call it large gathering. 
and then they have mid-sized gatherings and then they have house churches because it hits at the reality that we are the church and these are the different expressions of it. Mm-hmm. Now, what, where it gets hard is what you're noting. What do you do when that's not, that understanding isn't coming through and a body of people are functioning as though church is the two hours in this building and we are the church, but within these two hours. And then, then we have the rest of the week where we have our jobs and we have our homes and we have our families and then we'll connect back again next Sunday, maybe Wednesday nights, depending on the church. Right. And that's the hard part is how do you restore the proper culture when a destructive culture has kind of really taken root? That's the golden question, man. That is the. Solve it for is... me, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a five part series. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I, I really like the through line that you're connecting with um, with the, the church in Acts. Like, that's actually really, really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I've had this whole mindset that church, quote unquote, is the corporate American church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, it's the Mars Hill and, you know, the, I can't remember his name that has the largest church in America that gets on my nerves every time I see his face. Dolestein or? That guy. Yep. But like this idea that I've always had this kind of intuition, like even as a kid, that something is amiss. Mm -hmm. There is something wrong here. Like I enjoy hanging out with my friends and stuff like that, but there's there's just something very, very wrong with this. Mm -hmm. And I've had a, a lot of those intuitions with a lot of different things that in my deconstruction, I look back and I think about various teachings or, you know, various instances where, you know, a certain person said a certain thing and then 10 minutes later did the exact opposite of that, right. you know. But my point being, like, the, the Western society of Christianity, it's, in my mind, that's, that's not what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't originate in the last, I don't know how long America has been America, that's not where it originated. It originated in, in the East Mm -hmm. and it originated, you know, it was very grassroots type of thing. So like you said, the golden question is how do we get back to that? How do we get back to connection and, and leave this, this corporate just absolute beast behind Mm -hmm. and this unhealthy way of, of, of having church and get back to a, a healthy way of having church yeah. So a thought comes to my mind and it's, it's around identity. But before I say that thought, I actually want to speak some identity things just to encourage you. You know, I'm doing this podcast called, where do you see God? Like, I just want to encourage you that one of the ways that I'm seeing God within you is what you've experienced. You know, you're not alone in experiencing it where you are now. You're not alone in being that place and something, you know, you've mentioned a number of things that indicate this, this active staying at the table, even if you don't even know where the table is or what the table is. You know, you made the comment, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You made the comment that pastors weren't trying to be malicious. Like you're saying all these things that the reality is that's not the path that everybody takes. I I know Mm -hmm. many, many people who have had similar experiences that are like burn it all down. (laughs) And like all this. (laughs) And 
understandably so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there have been some really awful things people have been through and deep wounds. You can't blame somebody for saying this system is messed up. And I think the thing that it, uh, encourages me about where you are is that you have every reason to do that. But there's a part of you that's like, but I also have a sense that there is something there. Mm-hmm. I I believe that there is something like there is something that God is doing or there is a way that God is inviting us to function that is there. And instead of like burning it all down, like I want to I want to find that. <laughs> and so I want to encourage you because I think that's that journey that you're on. I really believe is going to be powerful. I don't know how, but just I can't help but think of your podcast and like you are having these very open conversations with someone who identifies as atheist, someone who identifies as pagan, both of which had really rough experiences with Christianity. And yet y'all are having these very open conversations. And the thing is, is that so often the thing that we try to fight against or the thing that we protect are just the expressions of the church rather than the the capital C church that Jesus invited us into. So somebody could hear this episode, right? And if that's where they are, that they're trying to protect something, they can hear what we've been saying and say, they're bashing the church. But in reality, like, no, neither of us are bashing the church. No. And so I want to encourage you to keep on in that space of recognizing that God is still at work on something, that there is an invitation that he's given, even if the church hasn't found it which is leading to the second point around identity and what we do with that. And I think it comes back to what we said earlier, that if our goal is to try to fix our singular church or this broad generic image of the American church, that's going to be rough. Cause I don't know that that's the thing that <laughs> needs to be fixed. What needs to be fixed is our understanding that we are the church. And this is the good news is that if you are the church even if the functional way that your church is going about things is still broken, you, because you represent part of the church, are bringing that in. <laughs> I, I think of Jesus because what he stepped into when he started his ministry was a similar thing. You know, they weren't Christians then because <laughs> Christ had not yet right. done his thing, but they yeah. were God-fearing people that were trying to understand what God was calling them to do and trying to live for God at different levels from just the everyday person who was longing for and waiting for, you know, God's word to come to pass. And then you had the Pharisees who invested their entire lives trying to be who they felt like God was telling them to be. And when Jesus started his ministry, it was just as messy as what we've been talking about here. You know, even when they physically saw Jesus moving and working, they were wanting him to be a warrior that was going to defeat the Romans, mm-hmm. right? And what Jesus did is he simply came in and represented the identity of the church. And in any given interaction, he represented that identity of what it means to be the church. And what we see is transformation happening. Sometimes it's quick, like the woman at the well. Her entire life was transformed with her experience with Jesus as the church. And then she went and her entire town was transformed because of what she shared. And sometimes it's longer, like Peter, who really thought that he was on point. Jesus says, hey, who's everybody saying that I am? And he lists all the things. And he's like, well, who do you say that I am? 
He's like, well, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, well, you didn't get this by being smart. The God told you this. God brought this to you. And then a few verses later, Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and it's going to be rough. And Peter's like, no, you can't go. And then Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> so Peter had this longer journey than the woman at the well. But where we see him, he goes from being a fisherman who really didn't know how to interact with God well to someone leading thousands of people and what it means to be the church. And he was even willing to die for that. And it started because they began to really internalize that being the church wasn't doing these things, following these rules, living out these laws. It's this identity understanding of I am made in the image of God. I am a child of God. We are brothers and sisters <laughs> under God, and we are being called to love God and love others. What would it look like if more and more of us started living like that, being the church all the hours of the week with whoever we interact with? How might that start to change things? And what broken systems might just kind of crumble away, if not transform, as that builds up? That was really good. Thank you for that. <laughs> Man, I hope we're recording this. <laughs> There's that pastoral just coming out of you, man. <laughs> yeah, it was super encouraging. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. If somebody is listening to this and, and they come at it like, well, they're bashing the church. I don't, I don't hate the church. Yeah. I love people. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm such a people person. I love hearing different stories and connecting with people. I'm not trying to say that burn it all down for sure. Even though I have been wounded by certain people, I, I have been encouraged immensely by other people mm -hmm. who are Christians. I've been pulled off, literally been pulled off the streets by Christians, yeah. you know, being homeless for a while, like, you know, Christians took me in. Granted, it was some gay Christians, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you know, there, there is something to be said about Christianity that if nothing else is true, that it can be healing. Mm -hmm. It can be this beautiful, beautiful thing that you have with uh, the, the creator of the universe that knows you so well that he knows your most inner thoughts and you can have that connection with that, with this celestial, like lives outside of time and space being. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, I mean, I love many aspects about Christianity and the church, but my thing is, can we just stop and point out that some of the things that we believe say and do are very harmful mm -hmm. and we can work towards not saying, doing, and believing those things moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that, that's my dream as, as I talk to people and as I interact with people and they hear my story and they hear how I, how I view, you know, the church and Christianity, but still being a Christian, still identifying as a Christian, like I want the unbeliever to look at me and say, wow, that guy is really authentic in what he believes. He doesn't say something like he's not a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And I want the Christian to look at me and say, wow, that guy is really loving people that are different well. Mm 
Yeah. Granted, I may not do that all the time, but mm-hmm. I do very much try to do that most of the time. <laughs> yeah. When, you know, you mentioned, you know, can we just get to a place where we can call out the stuff that's just not working, that's that's harmful? And uh, I was in a Bible study this morning. We were reading through Titus and specifically Titus 3. And it was basically <laughs> uh, a call it was a word for our time because it was talking about don't get caught up in quarrels and fighting and controversies. And, and it's like a word that the church really needs now, but something that really stood out to me is there is a moment where Paul's like, look, even we were in a place where we believe some crazy things and we're doing some crazy things. It, those aren't his words. <laughs> this is the, the, the me Paul version, but it, it was this moment of, not just introspection, but humility. Mm-hmm. And what struck me is that is something that is lacking too often within, I'm going to say Christian religion. Spiritual leaders feel like sometimes they have to present something with confidence and boldness. And there are times where that is important. But even in those moments of boldness, humility should always be present because mm-hmm. just like Paul was saying, man, like, there were, I, I had so many moments in my life where I just did not understand. And, you know, I'm still running the race and not that I've arrived, but I'm still striving. And, you know, I was the chief of sinners. Like he had this tremendous understanding of who he was in light of God, both in the element of being loved by God, but also in the reality that he needed to be humble because there, there is so much that he didn't understand. There's so much that he couldn't do on his own. Christianity too often lacks that humility. But when that humility is in play, something you said earlier made me think of a pastor that used to be at our church named Corey. I remember he was doing this sermon and he actually broke the normal mold of like, I, you know, I'm your pastor and here's the answers and here's what you do and I'm doing them. And he started talking about his intense struggles with anxiety and how that led him to make bad decisions and how it affected him, even preparing for the sermon, you know, and seeing that level of humility and authenticity was refreshing for one, but was powerful. And specifically because then people I knew in the audience who wrestled with anxiety, but didn't talk about it because they thought they were messed up, suddenly could be more present, could feel more safe. Could be more open and more conversations could happen. And it's like what you were saying. It, it came when you talked about how the church shouldn't just be we gather in a building and, and go. You know, the role that the large gathering can have is if the pastor is in that healthy spiritual space, then they can actually be the ones to prompt and inspire the other connections. The pastor gets up front and says, I wrestle with anxiety, or I wrestle with lust, or I wrestle with this. And I'm still learning to trust God in it. Suddenly, people on Monday are like, man, like, I, I've never really told anybody this, but yeah, I wrestle with blah, 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 too. And man, me too. And suddenly they're connecting, right? Humility is such a scary thing for us because we're afraid of what we will lose. And we don't realize how much there is to gain from humility. Right. Yeah. That's, that's actually awesome. Repre- representation matters a lot, and it mm-hmm. matters way more than people would like to admit. Right. 
one of the things that struck me was was how he was saying that he still struggles with it at like even today at this very moment kind of thing when people in my experience give their quote-unquote testimony it's i've left this thing behind and i no longer struggle with it because of god and because i've had a a miraculous internal thing that's just i'm just changed and i don't have to deal with it anymore when in reality that's that's not the standard that's the exception Mm -hmm. of what happens internally into a person i've had family members that struggle with alcoholism with Mm -hmm. drug addiction i myself struggle with depression you know, and it's and it's a thing that's that is ongoing. Mm-hmm. That Christians love to hear the victory story. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily love to hear that I'm still struggling story. Mm-hmm. That you know what? Tomorrow, not me personally, but I've been clean for a year. But tomorrow, I might go and buy some meth and do it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. That's that's not the story that people want to hear. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the frustrating things for me is like oftentimes I will completely make people feel uncomfortable all the time and I love doing it because you know I I will I will be honest and say I'm struggling with this thing or I I've done this thing that really is it's awful and I just can't move past it. Mm-hmm. I'm still a Christian and I still love God, but you know what? It's it's a day-by-day thing yeah. that maybe tomorrow I'm not going to feel the same as I do today mm-hmm. or maybe or, or yesterday or a week ago, what have you. Tomorrow, things may suck, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to put forth the effort, any effort that I can to make that day not suck. Yeah, yeah. It's like it comes back to that identity thing too, because you know, in that hypothetical of of someone who is addicted to meth, if we understand their identity as meth addict, or if they understand their own identity as meth addict, then that brings with it all of the connotations and the assumptions and the stereotypes, among which are, well, you can't be a Christian if you're a meth addict. Right. And so suddenly when they relapse, if we put these broken systems in place then they have no choice but to give up on themselves or to give up on God or give up on the church. When in reality, if their identity is a child of God who also has an addiction that they are working through with meth, that they aren't drug addict, but a child of God that is working through addiction, which is a lifelong struggle, right? then suddenly the engagement is different. It's the same thing when I think of the calls to unity in the Bible, Right now, especially in our nation, there's there's a lot of division in the church. And there are people that say, if you believe this, or if you vote this way, or if you then like, you can't be a Christian, or I can't connect, I cannot bridge that divide, because we're putting these identities on people. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if we start with the first identity of child of God, made in the image of God, even if we don't know how in the world we can bridge that, that at least gives us a starting point. And when Paul talks about unity, it tells the church, you need to be unified. That's what he's saying. He's not saying you need to all agree. You need to all think the same way. You need to all be the same. He's not saying that at all. He actually, anyways, I'm getting into the weeds, but what he's saying <laughs> is the call is to be unified. So don't get caught up on how you're going to do that. Just start doing it. And you might be amazed to find 
that unity can happen where you never could have imagined happen because that's the power of God. He can do the impossible uh, because it goes back to what we said earlier, what Paul is calling us to is what Jesus was calling us to, which was, hey, you have been created to experience this fullness that you know nothing about. And I'm telling you how to do it. <laughs> you just need to trust me. And the reason it's hard for you to see is because you've never seen or experienced anything like this. So you just got to trust me. It's like Jesus saying to Peter, look, you've never walked on water before. Just step off the boat. Don't think about how you're going to do it. Just step off the boat because you have no idea what I'm inviting you into. Man, we could easily talk for <laughs> much longer, I'm sure. But I want to respect your time. Just to close out, are there any other thoughts that are on your mind? Any other things that you're like, I, I want to say this before, before we go? We were talking about love. And this is a big thing for me. Realizing how to love somebody in the right way, in the right context, because you can think that you're doing something for somebody that is loving, but in all reality, it's only going to cause them harm. Mm -hmm. So stop and think what is actually going to take place? How am I going to affect them? Is this going to be harmful to them? Because at the root of the cause of the issues that I have, no one stopped to think, how is this going to affect him in the long term? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> man, it, it makes me think of one of the phrases that I've come to really dislike because it's been used in some hurtful ways is, hey, look, I'm just speaking the truth in love. Oh, awful. <laughs> so That's awful. And, and it's been in moments where people have been speaking what they believe to be truth but not out of authentic biblical love. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it's like we said earlier, they weren't trying to hurt. They weren't trying, they believed what they were doing was right and good. And they believed that they were honoring God. But I think you're spot on. It is immensely important that we make the time and space to really understand what we believe love is. And in particular circumstances, when we believe we're about to do something loving to stop and say, is this loving? Two, who is it loving? Is it actually loving for me because I don't like what this person's doing? And three, and this is the most important thing, acknowledging that the, the type of love that the Bible calls us to, we can't actually do in and of ourselves. We just are incapable of doing it. Our selfishness will get in the way, but God can love through us. So the third thing is, are we willing to step out of the way and let God love through us, even if it costs us, even if it makes us lose out on what we think we need or want because we want to trust God's love and purposes more than our own. And that's huge. I mean, how things could have been different if people had loved <laughs> more fully, mm -hmm. but the opportunity is how can things be different if you and I go out and live this out and then that love spreads and then they live it out. Mm -hmm. How can that love then lead to the type of church that both of us knows is there and we long to see well man aaron i appreciate this this is good yeah it was a lot of fun it yeah. was actually very uh it was very cathartic for me to to talk about you know some of these things that i haven't had the opportunity to really dive deep into so i, I really appreciate you and inviting me on and, and having me on it was yeah. it was a really great conversation 
Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really grateful. You know, even when the recording stops, feel free, like we can continue to connect, whether it's Zoom or phone or even Messenger, just like, man, I've been thinking about this today. And I don't know what to make of it, right? Like, uh, yeah, I'm happy to continue to connect because I mean, yeah. this, is, this is what we're talking about, right? Yeah. This is, this is what church is. So, yeah, I really appreciate that, man. And uh, yeah, that's, I'm not going to cry. Okay. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> oh, myself, I would. <laughs> uh, but that, that, that really, that's, that's amazing that you would, you would offer that. And I really, really do appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, can I pray for you before I go? Uh, absolutely. Father God, we just thank you um, that you are God and you are good. And just for this conversation and just how great it was. Um, but we also know that there's so much more that you want to do. And I thank you for Aaron. And I thank you for the ways that he is processing. I just thank you for who you've made him to be that um, instead of leaving the table, uh, he is he is he's trying to be present and authentic. Um, and so I pray that you would continue to give him glimpses that at the very least can serve to remind him that he's, he's on the right path, but that there would even be moments that are bigger than that. Um, moments where a deeper expression of the church just shows up out of nowhere, whether it's in, you know, his home church or whether it's in a group of people or whether it's in his podcast or whether it's in a place he doesn't even know about. Yeah. I just pray that the authentic church would just reveal itself. Um, and yeah, that you would continue to grow him into who you've created him to be. Um, just the original design that you had for him, that you would just show that more and more uh, and that he'd be able to live that out. And through doing that, not only experience you, but be able to more authentically love others. I was praying his holy name. Amen. One of the things that I really appreciate about Aaron and his story is that what he did here is a really hard thing to do. It is hard to be both transparent and open about wounds and frustrations and anger while also still remaining at the table. Yeah, as we talked about in this episode, this wasn't an episode about bashing Christianity or the church. And yet, it can be so hard sometimes to express concerns without somebody assuming that's what you're doing. And part of it's because we can get really protective, not just of ourselves, but of our faith and of God. And, and here's the funny thing about that. Uh, I think of stories in the Old Testament about the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God and his presence and the Israelites would carry it wherever they went. They would honor it. They would protect it. They would not touch it or engage it in any dishonoring way or else they might die. And as the Israelites began to turn away from God, even though they would continue to carry around this God form with them, when they began to turn away in their hearts, they no longer had the protection around them and they would get captured. And sometimes the ark was taken. And these enemies saw this as a victory, not just over the Israelites, but over their God. 
because they were able to physically take their God. But God can't be conquered. God doesn't need to be defended because he is, he is capable of handling himself in ways that we can never fully grasp. And what we hear in these stories is how these other people groups that stole the ark began to experience horrible, horrible things, diseases and, and other things to the point where they, I remember there being one story where they said, please take the ark back. The reason I mention this is I've been thinking a lot lately about our tendency sometimes to feel like we have to mount up, arm up, grab our swords, and be God's warriors to defend his name. And don't misunderstand me here. I'm not talking about us not honoring God. But the problem is, is that sometimes in our efforts to protect God, to protect Christianity, to protect the church, to protect our understanding of our faith, sometimes in our efforts to do that, we attack the wrong people. We tear into and destroy the wrong thing. And I've seen that in my own life and in my own relationships. People that I love deeply, that I, I know want to love me, that have torn into me out of a desire to protect something. We hear hints of this in this episode where Aaron longed longed for a space of spiritual family where he could be himself and be received, where he could share of what he was struggling with and be heard, where others could walk with him. And what he has found too often are spaces that not only don't provide that, but sometimes mount up to stand and protect what they want to protect rather than the brother of Christ that's hurting beside them. So I want to talk to the church right now. If you've gotten this far, you've heard Aaron's story. If you can be honest with yourself for a second, you can acknowledge that Aaron's not alone and that there is likely someone within your sphere, someone within your church body, possibly somebody within your closer spiritual family that may be feeling this same way that may be hurting, but feel unable to share. That may be longing for connection, but feel blocked off. Or worse, that may be trying to be genuine and authentic, and those that should be loving them are slashing at them with swords. But we should also be aware of the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love others. And we should be willing to take a moment to ask ourselves, is the way that I'm loving God actually loving God? Or is it like what the Israelites did, that they would protect the ark, but their hearts had turned away from God? We should ask ourselves, is the way that I'm loving others actually loving others? Or am I trying to make myself feel good while actually loving myself? We should ask ourselves, what am I willing to to give up in order to be able to fully love God and love others? What am I willing to die to? What cross am I willing to pick up? How am I willing to follow Christ's lead, to actually be a Christian, a little Christ, a Christ follower, and love and walk as he loved and walked? 
because Aaron's story is not the only one like it, and those stories should not exist. Church, we should not be a space that causes as many wounds as it does. And here's the good news, that no matter what was, we can decide today what is. We can decide that we are children of God, made in the image of God, that we are invited into unity, that we can take that step even if we have no idea where our foot will land. We can choose today to love. And when we do, we will see God because God is love. Things will change immediately, whether in small ways or large, because perfect love drives out fear. Love does things that we could never do on our own. If we love, we will see God. And when others look at us, they will know that we are Christians because of our love. Church, let's accept this invitation. Let's take that step forward. And as we do, let's ask ourselves, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?